You're listening to the Whitman Wire podcast. I'm Mia Graham, and today we're talking about the ins and outs of social media activism. Our social media feeds have been looking a little different since the tragic murder of George Floyd. My social media feed went from pictures of people's breakfasts and bikinis to reposts of infographics about combating racism and other pressing social issues. After listening to this show, you'll be equipped with some tools and critical thinking skills necessary to navigate social media during a time when performative activism, virtue signaling, white fragility, and misinformation is rampant. I've invited four incredible people to speak on this topic. Alea Bessie and Jasmine Rizeki, the co-hosts of Whitman So White, speak about which social media trends are helpful and hurtful and how they've used social media to amplify the voices of BIPOC. Emily Pearson, a librarian and information literacy instructor, discusses how to stop the spread of misinformation online and where to look to get information from a direct source. I've also invited opinion columnist Ava Laponis on the show to discuss how social media can be a revolutionary tool for social and political change. If your thumb has ever hovered over the post or repost button and you felt unsure about how to engage, this show is for you. It's also for anyone curious about how to navigate the flood of information that we scroll through daily, or anyone wondering how to be a conscientious user and consumer of media. So let's dive in. I am here bright and early with Alea and Jasmine, the co-hosts of Whitman So White. Well, I guess it's only early on my end. Where are you guys zooming in from? Um, I'm from Minnesota, and I'm in Houston right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm on Pacific time, so I'm outside so my, I don't wake up my housemates so that might, might be why my audio is so bad but um, I'm so excited to welcome you guys on the show. Could you please introduce yourselves? Um, my name is Jasmine Rezeghi. I'm a junior politics major. My pronouns are she, they, and I am the co-host of Whitman's Away. Um, my name is Alaya Bassi. I am a sophomore intended art and politics double major and I use she her um, and I'm also a co-host on Women's So White. Cool so for those of us uh, freshmen who are new to Whitman can you explain how Whitman So White got started and what you guys do? Okay um, so Whitman So White was um, an idea that Jasmine thought up um, this past summer, um, and it was sort of inspired by a Students of Color conference um, that we attended. Me and Jasmine both attended um, last year in the fall semester at Willamette University, and they had a, I think it was a club called Willamette So White, and it was just sort of a space where POC could come together and um, be in a common space together, and um, I think the thinking of it was that there wasn't really a space like that at Whitman. Um, so Jasmine decided to kind of create a podcast called Whitman So White and um, posted about it on her social media. And then I reached out wanting to help. And since we were both on that conference, um, um, we decided that we would co-host it together. And I'd like to know how you both use your personal social media platforms? Do you use it for, to the same ends of, um, of trying to bring awareness to certain issues or um, is it purely for personal use? 
Yeah, I personally like the content that I post um, that like goes to my actual page is normally um, just like personal stuff, like things I like to do when I hang out with friends, um, things like that. I think my, I don't know, social justice activism part comes out in the stories that I like repost and the information that I repost on my stories. Um, just because I think it's, you know, things change so fast that having that temporary post is, um, like a, a more effective way of having content that's relevant in the moment um, for just like a certain amount of time. Um, I think for me, I, I follow this like, I have my own rule, I guess I would call it. Um, I don't repost anything on my story unless I can explain it to someone else. So, because I've always had people reach out to what I post and it's like, what is the point of me doing it if I know nothing about it? Um, so there's this responsibility of having social media and reposting things, especially in an era of mis and disinformation. So I always say to myself, I'm not gonna repost it unless I can tell someone else about it and be confident in what I'm saying um, because then it's just a whole mess and it becomes pointless if you don't know what you're reposting. I agree with that. I think especially now there's so much content everywhere on people's stories about like social justice issues and I think like similarly I only feel like I can post things on my story that have to do with that if I would find it helpful if I found it on someone else's story versus just like posting it for the sake of posting it, I guess. So can you give me an example, Alea, of something that you deem would be helpful and that you would repost and something that you would flag as either misinformation or not, you can't really trace the direct source? Yeah, something that I've been like really happy to see on social media lately has been people's push to educate like their peers about like voting resources from where they live um, just because like this election coming up is crucial and well, I think just having that immediate resource on like your Instagram to like screenshot um, like where to get your ballot from or like what the dates for which state are um, and things like that is like really helpful um, because I know that like, and I'm this way too about some things is that if, you know, it takes a while to find that information, you might not necessarily do it immediately. And if, you know, that information becomes available on an Instagram story that you just come across, like, that is a really good way of recruiting people um, to make a voting plan. Um, I think I don't, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head that I've come across that I was really like, oh, I don't think that that's particularly useful. Um, have you come across that? Um, um, I've like, 
I can't think of a particular example, but I could think of a scenario, which is if you find a post and it has a bunch of information, but you Google this information to like fact check it and it doesn't, um, it's not like an app accurate replica of the post, then maybe you should consider the information you're digesting. Um, some of these like threads that they post on social media don't have sources or anything. Um, so when it comes to those, I think um, those are things that people should be wary about um, and maybe double check and fact check whatever you decide to spread. Jasmine, are there posts that you see that um, that you think are really helpful social media trends? Mm, I think, a, like Alea said, I think a lot of voting resources is like a good trend that's been going on. Um, I think that there's this, at least on Twitter when I see it, there's this huge, um, I don't want to say like fight, but like a huge disconnect between people or tension between people who think that voting is upholding a, like a two-party system, et cetera, et cetera. And then those who believe that voting is crucial and that you're like dissing the country if you don't vote. And it's really not about shaming either side. It's really just about putting the information out there and letting people do whatever they want with it. Um, so I think that there, there's a lot of resources on social media and particularly with voting, it's there, but also, I guess I would also consider what message you put out with the information you put out. So if you're gonna put the, put um, like, methods of voting, don't shame people into voting if, you know, they don't want to vote for the two bad guys on the ballot, I guess. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I've been definitely seeing that too. Um, so that's been an interesting social media trend. So let's quickly talk about the difference between social media activism and performative activism, because Usually you can spot the difference, but sometimes there's a gray area where you don't know if a repost is put up there for to virtue signal or just doing it out of boredom. But, and then sometimes you don't know if the information is actually valid. Um, so how do you guys navigate social media um, with discretion and tact, I guess? I think a way to distinguish between like performative activism and like social media activism is if there is like a concrete action that can go with something that you're broadcasting on your page. Um, I think like a really good example of this is like um, spreading the contact information for your representatives, like your senator um and like the person who represents your district and things like that or you know an email template um to your school's administration things like that or like where to get your mail-in ballot um like spreading information about things that you can actually do is social media activism but i think like like just posting something like the, a picture of like a, a little black kid and saying oh black lives matter like that's like what good does that do for anyone 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that would just be my immediate way that I that I distinguish mm -hmm. between them. Um, I think mine would be like performative maybe like uh, idolizing people um, and I think of like the closest example which would be the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, may she rest in peace um, but like you can't you know act like she was not intersectional and uh, she was not like um, inconsiderate of indigenous folk um, and the Black Lives Matter movement at some point. Like you can't ignore that. And I think um, idolizing politicians, idolizing like these big people and not taking into account the power that they have is um, totally performative and it's mm. um, not spreading truth. Um, and then, oh, I had another one, but I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, it'll probably come to me in a minute. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think like a lot of people when, you know, doing performative activism think that it's something that is like, it's like a binary, like, oh, you either post something that is like totally good and has no flaws, like the Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing. Um, like, I think people are like, oh, I'm posting this because she was like a saint and all this stuff. But I think the importance of social media activism comes out in exposing like those nuances. Like I think like obviously Ruth Bader Ginsburg did a lot for women's rights and like where we are now would be totally different if she weren't um, appointed to the Supreme Court, um, no doubt. However, doing something good doesn't mean that you can do something bad in turn and still like be untouchable like I think like you have to take both into consideration and like that's really hard to do but I think like social media proves to be like like I said a good place to expose like those those nuances in like political action. I think there was a time um, maybe a couple months ago with um, the murder of Breonna Taylor. This was mostly among celebrities, but they would post, um, I don't know what you call them, like when they, uh, they grab your attention, but it's not real. What is it called? They would post like a like a booty pic. Clickbait. Clickbait. There you go. They posted clickbait and clickbait. Yeah, I the media example that comes to mind is Lily Reinhardt. She posted like, um, I think it was like her on the beach and her, you know, it's like a booty pic. So you want to click on it, then you want to read the caption, and the caption was like, like now that I have your attention, the cops that killed Brianna Taylor, blah blah blah. I'm just like why are you making Brown Taylor a trend? Like, why is this, like, a thing? Like, she, like, she was a person. Like, she was murdered. Why are you attaching that to something, so, like, so, like, why are you being gross, basically? I think that was a trend that was, like, super terrible, and I'm so glad it didn't um, make it, I guess, far, um, and also it didn't, like, 
seep into like everyday people and their social media posts. Um, at least I didn't see it. Um, but that was something among celebrities that was super like performative and um, just like tone deaf. Yeah, yeah. And like no shame to like women who want to post like pictures of their body on the internet. However, just don't do it when there's like a movement going on and like yeah don't use it to dilute like the potency of like what happened do you think people should be abstaining from posting pictures of like what they're doing in their day-to-day -day lives right now because there's something more important going on or can you strike a healthy balance between personal social media use and, and social media use uh, for activism? I mean, I would say, oh my God, I would say just like read the room. Like if people, like when George Floyd was murdered, don't, during a pandemic, don't post a photo of you and your friends playing beer pong at a party at your house. Like considerate of like other things that are going on like mm -hmm. nothing has like not everything has to be about you all the time that's what I would say <laughs> um I think this kind of answers your question not really but we had a we had an episode about this um of I guess this this kind of goes into the performative allyship thing um if you're like Black Lives Matter, fist in your bio, like, you know, like all of that, but then like you don't wear a mask and you party and you're not like being conscientious of others. You're, you're, I mean, like by POC people are literally the people who are being um, affected more by COVID than any other group. So it doesn't make sense. That's super performative because you mm -hmm. say that Black Lives Matter, but you're not caring about Black lives and other um, PLC lives. So like, what are you doing? Yeah, social media trends, I feel like only hold weight if people are actually taking action, so. Um, what are some ways that people can engage with the Whitman So White social media? Um, so I would say first that um, to reshare our episodes, um, like when we post them, to reshare them on your stories, um, because it, like a lot of people end up following us because they see it on another person's feed. That's how like our podcast spreads. Um, so if you could please do that. Um, and then another thing is that we always include the Venmos of our guests. So if you really like our really into this episode we don't pay our guests we're not financially supported by anything um so if you want to um drop a few dollars to you know pay someone for their time that they took out of their um lives to talk to us and give you this information that would be super nice of you um and then also you could totally blow up our comment section and have conversations with us or like other listeners. That would be really cool too. We haven't seen a lot of that. So if anyone's interested in that, we're totally open to it. Amazing. Alaya, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think just one thing that I would add is that um, when we ask for like 
feedback on our stories or like just like oh like dm us like topic episode topics that you have um really just like we're so open to whatever you want to talk about i think like jasmine and i like we just want women so white to you know be for our listeners and for the people who come on it um and so like really if you're scared to dm us like just do it i promise jasmine and i are like both like probably the i was gonna say the nicest people <laughs> maybe we're not the nicest people but i think we're like totally open to feedback and like suggestions um if you want to come on the podcast like please just reach out um like it's really not it's not a huge deal um and if you don't want to come on and you just have like ideas like please please tell us um like it's really fun to just like talk to people about it so that's all i would say we've also been in this groove of talking about a lot of serious topics and we've been desperate for happy topics so <laughs> literally this could be like just celebrating you and what you do if you identify as a pipe uh, by poc so like just mm -hmm. come on and let us celebrate you that's also something we're willing to do thank you jasmine and alea so much for joining me and um, i look forward to seeing what you do in the future thank you yeah thank you for having us Opinion columnist Ava Laponis recently published an article in The Wire which discussed the way Gen Z has used social media to make revolutionary change. She's here with me now to talk about how our generation has used social media to transform the world. Hi Ava, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I want to know what's so special about our generation? Um, generation Z has gone through a lot of very unique situations that um, have kind of cultivated their political identity. Um, you know, Gen Z was born in a post 9-11 world and has gone through two of the worst economic recessions since the Great Depression. Um, and it kind of destigmatizes us to uh, major uh, historical events like a global pandemic um, and in light of the recent Black Lives Matter protests that have sort of turned into um, a very revolutionary movement, um, Generation Z is leading that movement as um, young people do in most historical movements, so. How has our generation used social media for political organizing? Uh, yeah, social media was, you know, designed for a very superficial kind of um, entertainment purpose. And we have really transformed it by, you know, using Twitter hashtags for uh, specific things like when there is uh, a protest, you use a specific hashtag so that people can track the protest, they can track what people are saying about it, you know, when they say the police are blocking off 128th Street, then you know ahead of time because you just check Twitter. And, um, and that's like a very um, 
on the front lines approach to using social media, but also, you know, I think you and I probably, when we open up Instagram, the carousel feature of Instagram stories was designed for selfies and, you know, like my recent <laughs> posts. And mm -hmm. now it's, you know, full of anti-racism resources and mm -hmm. aid requests, which are, um, you know, when people are put in an emergency situation and need resources in order to, uh, be supported by their community and then people amplify that and signal boost it so that other people can donate and um, yeah it's a really it's a really um, crazy way that we use social media now in a way that it totally wasn't designed for but that has mobilized our generation to do a lot of really cool stuff yeah it's a super powerful tool so can you give some examples of how our generation has used social media to make real change? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Black Lives Matter movement over the summer um, was transpired under a situation that, um, you know, with the horrifying video of George Floyd's death, um, wouldn't really have gotten the national attention that it did without um, social media and, you know, demanding justice for Breonna Taylor's murderers wouldn't have um, persisted as long as it has and as long as it will continue to um, without use of social media. Um, you know, in 2018, um, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting caused a movement that, you know, ended up with um, schools across the country planning walkouts and then um, registering, you know, hundreds of thousands of young people to vote who otherwise would have waited or maybe not even registered at all. Great. Do you see this trend continuing? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I think it's a really productive um, and revolutionary way for Gen Z to use their um, their like power of having of understanding how to navigate um, the internet, which is like a world of information at their fingertips, um, and create um, some real and lasting change out of that. How have you been? inspired or impacted by social media activism? Um, I think that um, one, how have I been inspired or impacted? I think that one thing that I found really important in social media activism is understanding like its place in um, activism overall, because I think social media plays a really big part in activism and in mobilizing and organizing, um, especially across um, a nation or across the world. But also, you know, posting a black square for Blackout Tuesday isn't everything that you should be doing and posting anti-racism resources um, and calling attention to problems that you think people, that there needs to be a discourse about um, is something that you can do on your Instagram feed, but also something that you can do at Thanksgiving dinner, you know? And um, using that education and those resources to um, influence people in the real world and um, talk to people who 
normally don't like to talk about things like that and uh, influence them in a way that you may not have been able to had you not um, had access to that education online or those resources from people who are experiencing it in real life. Yeah, that's huge. Do you see any dangers of social media, media being such a powerful force? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think one danger is just people, um, you know, participating in um, online activism, which is sometimes termed slacktivism, um, <laughs> and, you know, not really putting any effort in um, outside of or offline, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just summing up all of their political identity to, you know, having friends who are involved in politics and um, trying to stay away from those kinds of conversations in real life because it's a lot easier to have those conversations online when you can Google quick facts to back yourself up, you know? Right. Well. Thank you, Ava, so much for talking with me. I learned a lot from you. If you haven't read her article yet, be sure to check it out. All right, now I'd like to welcome Emily Pearson to the show, a Whitman librarian who teaches Library 100 and Media Literacy. We sat down over Zoom to talk about fact-checking and finding direct sources. So, Emily, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, when I'm thinking about posting or reposting, what should my thought process be before I decide to hit post? I think with something like this, um, there's a bit of an issue that's almost beyond media literacy, but I think still is a good behavior to think about is why you're posting something. And I think that can really pull back a lot of opportunities where you might be posting something um, that you maybe don't need to. Um, I think some of the things people get caught up in when they see something is the aesthetics. So um, it looking good and not being, giving a signal that it is good without actually thinking about the content. Uh, so thinking about, am I posting this because it's a nice thing, it, it looks nice, you know, it, it adds to my kind of aesthetic um, versus it actually being contributing something. Am I informing people? Am I sure that I'm informing them about something true? Um, or is it sort of just signaling that I know about something, which I think that can be sort of tricky, but um, I think questioning what you're getting out of it and, and what it's serving is always a good first step. And then uh, once you kind of think through that, thinking about um, taking some steps to think about what it, that question of what you're, if you're informing people. so you know, if there's maybe a citation in it, are there statistics you can Google that you can kind of trace back where it's actually coming from? Um, you know, can you do some Googling to figure out if this is the most accurate information? I think that's something kind of that happens is people make these informative posts that aren't necessarily always relying on good information. So can you find that information yourself? Um, and hopefully maybe in that searching, you'll actually find more information and be more informed and then um, you can add to it. I think that's the other thing is just that kind of resharing on whatever platform it is, um, what that serves. Great. And 
So you touched on this a little bit, fact checking a post. What's the best way to do that? And how do you make sure you're not Googling and then entering into a spiral of misinformation on the internet? Totally. Well, I mean, and I think that's kind of the constant struggle and that there's sadly not just like one perfect answer for this. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of something I saw this summer that was worth Googling. Uh, I think first, anything that like doesn't have um, much like you know, what we talk about with academic articles, citations serve a really good purpose, right? Because it, it, one thing that's really important that kind of gets lost is that it credits people for their labor in creating this, the, the information and not just the person who created the post, but the people who um, did the interviews that led to us knowing more about a topic or, or collected the data. So crediting that labor, that also allows you to get to those sources and see what they're saying. I'm curious about your social media habits, how, hmm. what your thought process is when you're choosing to post something versus when you're kind of on the edge, like debating whether to post something. So being one, being an active social media user, how do you use your platform and what are those thought processes? And then two, being a social media consumer, what you think about what you're critical of when you're flipping through your social media. If I'm going to share something like um, I'm from Seattle and most people I know my family lives in Capitol Hill. So when CHOP that first night that it was sort of being created, um, I was following it very closely because it's very close to where my parents live and it was pretty scary that first night trying to figure out what exactly was happening and the cops were there was all these rumors about like why stuff was happening and where people were going and who had what and where people were. And I could see, you know, following the hashtag on, following the search on Twitter, how much, how quickly people not around Seattle were purposely or mis I'm not purposely um, sharing information and, and recontextualizing it, reconstructing it to be nefarious or to be something it wasn't when I knew like, like them, I'm trying to think of exact details, but since I know that intersection knowing like what they were saying about like oh da, 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 da. is like no that's not true or you know this geography like that they didn't understand um who was happening or like who people were that would actually have like footage and like what was actually being shown and like seeing stuff get edited and so i felt like since most of the people who follow me are in seattle or from seattle like that like that was something to like inform people about um and I think that was a really interesting thing I seeing a lot was like more local misinformation about there's this rumor when you know that something dangerous may happen when that might have ultimately been a rumor but maybe that's something where it's like better shared than not. Um, but there was also stuff where it was like, oh no, it's from a friend of a friend of a friend like then it just kind of gets into like okay what is this really. Um, so trying to share things that were more immediate actions that could be taken or information and um, even then trying to find um, a screenshot or something that was like somebody who I know who they are and knew they were really who they were and where they were um, versus something random. So I spend quite a bit of time like trying to get to the quote unquote primary source because it's sort of 
by my nature, <laughs> my job, that that's a, a goal of mine. And there's, that has its own complications because I, it's not always that cut and dry, but um, trying to find not the easiest thing, but something that actually might be from a different source or something. And, and just for, for me and everyone else who's listening right now, can you throw out a few names of sources that you deem reputable that you would go to to fact check a post? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it really depends on what the story is, right? I think ProPublica is a really good source. They're a nonprofit um, news organization. I, I try to find the local news perspective um, or like the local media's perspective. So to summarize, social media is a revolutionary force that can be used for political organizing, but sometimes people use their platforms without action behind their performance. Be mindful of which trends to participate in, and before donating or resharing information, be sure to trace that information to a direct source. Thank you to all the guests on this show for sharing their thoughts and opinions and expertise. I know I learned a lot, and I hope you did too.